Hey everyone, this is 80s wrestling fan Brian, and this is episode 10 of Legendary Wrestling Figures. This time I'd like to talk about Hulk Hogan and his Series 1 LJN figure, as well as my favorite feud of all time. Uh, we're almost through Series 1. I've gotten through everyone except for the Hulkster and the man he won the title from, the Iron Sheik. Uh, something about the Hulk Hogan figure, if you look at the cover art for this episode, you'll notice I have four Hulksters on there. So uh, front and center up top is the one that I grew up with, and I've got the original belt that I had growing up, and one that I got several years ago that's in better shape. So you can kind of see on the original one around his waist um, that it's got kind of a green tint, and I've seen a lot of people have that where the the, either the paint is faded or or it's just got some wear and tear or who knows if it was the environment it was in. But a lot of those, the, the bright gold has kind of gone away. So the, uh, the one I have on that figure's shoulder, the one that's front and center up top, that one is, it hasn't been touched up. It's just in better shape. So you can, you can still find belts that are uh, 39 years old at this point. These figures came out in 1984 and, uh, and maybe they were just designed in 84 and they came out in 85. I, I wasn't collecting them then, so I know that they call it a 1984 figure and that's what's stamped on the butt. But uh, but basically, that Series 1, those those first figures, they, they might have come out in early 85 and just been uh, designed in 1984. But what you'll notice about that one front and center, in most of your Hulk Hogan's out there are probably going to have this. If, if they were played with at all, they're... I'd say 99% of them are going to have this. The The knees on the front of these guys uh, are always missing a little paint on those knees. So if it's something where you want to touch up your old figure, that's an easy fix. Just go get the the bright red paint at uh, at, a, at, a, at Walmart or at some paint uh, craft store and just touch up those those knees. I'd say just do the whole knee pad on each side and you can get rid of where the paint has gone away and, and it, it'll shine up your Hulk. Or if you just want to go get a second Hulk figure, I discussed on seven episode seven, how much, how much these figures cost. I'm having a hard time getting that to load up on different platforms. It's probably not worth your time. So I'll go over to episode seven real quick and then we'll get back to Hulk. But episode seven, I was messing around with trying to edit out some of my little vocal ticks and stuff. And it's not really, it, to sum it up, Series 1 and 2 in Episode 7, uh, you should be able to find those less than 9 bucks if you're doing a, if you're counting shipping and you're buying figures in lots. The Series 1 and 2 should average less than 9 bucks. Series 3, aside from figures like the Bulldogs, Macho Man, and Elizabeth, if you're buying Series 3, you're still going to be under 10 bucks. Series 4, uh, that would be 1987. Those figures, you're going to about double the price of the figures and be closer to 19 bucks. There are exceptions, of course. Series uh, five, I've only got three figures so far, but uh, those averaged about 48 bucks, if I remember correctly. And series six, those I haven't touched. Those are up in the hundreds of dollars now. So long story short, if you're getting into the hobby of repainting LJNs. 
the vast majority of series one and two are easy to come uh, come by at a low price series three as well it's not too much more to get into series four but when you get into series five and six it gets expensive so getting back to the hulkster like I say, if you just want to touch up a Hulk so you have one that looks like the paint is in better shape, uh, bright red on the knee pads, you can get your, your old Hulk or a, uh, a newly purchased Hulk in good, good condition with uh, putting in bright red on those knee pads and getting the, uh, the, the part where the, the paint is worn off covered up and make them look a lot newer again. Um, the, the boots and the trunks... Real yellow is what I use on those. The hair, I go with pale daffodil, I think looks good. So a fine brush, you can redo the eyebrows and the mustache, and you can redo the hair. Uh, then uh, then it's just the, the matte white is what I use on the wrist tape and on his headband. And also, on I'd like to do the soles of his boots and his laces. So it's a fairly simple repaint, and it's there's so many Hulk Hogan's out there that you can find where you can get you can get into painting Hulk for not too much and it's not too difficult plus if you want to remove all the paint like I like to do it's it's not a lot of paint to remove so so I encourage you if you want to start off with one of your favorites Hulk Hogan's a good one to start with uh, of course getting all these figures that I talked about that when you buy them uh, to repaint them the accessories are what are really going to set you back uh, cost wise so as far as jumping in from, and I know that's not a lot of time spent on uh, Hulk Series 1, but one other option that you can do with Hulk Series 1 is you can go with one of the other uh, figures you have yeah, that you'll see in the, the cover art. So in that cover art, below the top center figure is a Hulk that I got about six, seven years ago that was just in really good shape. And that's the one that... Uh, that a lot of times I've used in pictures that I post on Twitter because on that one that I bought, somebody obviously had him on display and the knee pads were still in great shape as, rest, as well as the rest of the paint job on him. Uh, when you do look at that uh, cover art, you'll see that the one on the, the Hulk on the, the left that I have a no-hold-sparred gear, uh, gear uh, that Hulkster, uh, I wanted to do one in the no-holds-barred gear, gear as Rip, so the most detailed part of that is his headband where I wrote rip em. And so if you study a, that rip em logo on, uh, online on t-shirts or on the headband itself, it takes just do little fine strokes onto the, the, the headband with your fine tip brush. And so you can, you can break the R into basically four brush strokes where you're doing, um, the, the vertical line that starts the R. Then you're doing the curved part of the R with two little brush strokes, uh, almost making a V that attaches it uh, to the uh, to the vertical side. And then you're doing the diagonal part of the R. So four brush strokes on the R, one for the I, three for the P, one for the little hyphen there before the uh, EM that's to follow, uh, four brush strokes for the E, and four brush, brush strokes for the M. And, and that's how you'll get rip them with tiny little brush strokes on your headband that you've already painted white. And worst case scenario, you don't like how it looks when you're all done. So you take your Q-tips um, and your, uh, your nail polish remover, the acetone, and you just start over. And so you can get all the headband done before you do the eyebrows or the hair. And, and once you've got the headband to where you're happy with it, 
that's where you can get in and start doing the the hair color, the uh, the pale daffodil. And uh, aside from that, the color that I used when I did the Ripem No Holds Barred version of Hulk was uh, out of a Mondo Llama acrylic paint set that I started with before I I got I started buying the uh, the Walmart. Uh, inexpensive paints, which actually the Walmart stuff, the matte paints on those are, most of them are less than a buck each. They're like 59 cents each uh, in tax, so they're pretty affordable. But this Mondo Llama set that I got that had 20 paints in it, it had something called a Cerulean Blue, which is uh, C-E-R-U-L-E-A-N. And I think that looks real good and matches up nicely with uh, with how the Rip'em Hulk looks. And these are uh, glossy paints. Primarily, I use the the matte paints, and then the uh, the the Mod Podge really uh, gets gets a gloss to them where they look you know, more shiny, like you'll see on most of the figure figures that I have. So once you've got um, the figure all set how you want it, you can uh, use the Mod Podge that you can brush over the whole figure. If you're not happy with the results when you're done, just hold off on the Mod Podge and. And you can always do it when you when you get it to your satisfaction. The uh, the one on the right, the Hulkster on the right, it's going to be exactly like the Rip'em Hulk. I just didn't do anything on the headband, and uh, of course on the Rip'em No Holds Barred Hulk, I used a blue to do his trunks and his knee pads. Uh, one reason I wanted to release episode ten with Hulkster right now is that uh, this episode will drop it's the 37 year anniversary of the actual start of hulk hogan and paul orndorff facing big john stud and king kong bundy with the uh, the feud that is my favorite feud of all time so this all went down in poughkeepsie new york and the folks that were in attendance, man, it, if the internet had been around, of course, it all would have been spoiled for us. Basically, they had the same taping of the flower shop with Adrian Adonis, who'd been uh, egging on Paul Orndorff and making fun of him for not selling as many uh, dolls as Hulk Hogan and for being oh, Hulk Jr., being in the shadow of Hulk Hogan. They'd, they'd had that going on for a while, so the episode from... Uh, June 24th, I should have said, the episode from June 24th taping in Poughkeepsie had uh, the flower shop with Hulk and Orndorff deciding they're going to face the Moondogs before they face Stud and Bundy. So at the same taping, they they filmed the, 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 the match that aired the following week with Hulk and or Orndorff against the Moondogs. That aired on July 12th. So I just turned... 12 years old, and this, this feud is right in the thick of things. And who can't relate back as a kid if, if, they, uh, if they're calling their buddy and their buddy doesn't come to the phone, right? So simple setup. I never got that upset if my buddy didn't come to the phone, and we're probably so excited we'd always come to the phone if our buddy called. So I remember uh, back then one time I'd been, been talking to my friend Eric, and we'd been talking for 40 minutes or something, who knows about what, probably about wrestling. And, and all of a sudden I got nervous and I didn't realize at the time that, uh, that local calls were free. So I asked him to give me a call back. I forget what excuse I made, but it's just kind of funny that as a kid, you're not sure about, at least I was dumb and not sure about how the phone works. So I asked if I could hang up and have him call him, 
call me back because we'd been talking for a while and I was afraid I'd have a big big bill and get in trouble for talking on the phone too long. But uh, side story there. So anyway, July 12th, that Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff versus the Moondogs match, that that's a match that was set up so great where Paul didn't didn't let Hulk in the match the whole time. He beat the Moondogs by himself. And one of my biggest uh, wants on the LJN list of figures that didn't come around is Rex and Spot the Moondogs. I really wish that they'd had a set of LJN Moondogs figures. They also were on the first card that I attended a few months later, uh, five months, six months later, December 5th, 1986, when I saw the Killer Bees and the Moondogs face off in singles matches. Uh, I think it was B. Brian Blair against Moondog Rex and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel against Moondog Spot. I would have liked to have had every wrestler that I saw in person uh, made as a figure, and the Moondogs had enough character to them and were a cool enough... Uh, looking that it would have been great to have them. Great storytelling here. And this is why there's a lot of fans out there that hold this Paul Orndorff, Hulk Hogan feud in high regard. Um, after the Moondogs match on that same taping, June 24th, Poughkeepsie, New York, that's when they did the Hogan, Orndorff versus Stud and Bundy match. And so the last straw is when, uh, when, when Hogan is whipped into the corner and Orndorff isn't quite paying attention, gets elbowed off the, in the head, and goes crashing to the floor. And uh, as we uh, we all know, when you when you come crashing down, it, it hurts inside. So uh, of course, uh, Paul Orndorff had to take a stand, and basically blames Hulk for it. And it's just too much. He's uh, he already tried calling Hulk, and and being instigated, being. Uh, stirred up by the stir-upper Adrian Adonis, who was telling him how how little he was in comparison to Hulk and, and making fun of him. So by the time that that phone call had happened that we saw on television where Hulk wouldn't pick up the phone, and, and so I've got a poll going on right now asking who people blame for that phone call incident, and we'll see where that ends up. But... Uh, one of the, it's a it's a funny it's a good conversation. People out there are saying, "Hey, if you're squatting 600 pounds, you you can't pick up the phone." But you know, I pull up right now. You can see uh, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. He uh, in college squatted 600 pounds, and he it only takes him I don't know 10 seconds, and he puts it on the bar. I think Hulk could have said, "Tell Paul I'll be there in one minute." And Hulk could have put the uh, the 600 pounds up on the bar and gotten over and got that phone call. So people say, give Hulk a break. He's working out. He's squatting 600 pounds. But a true friend, in my opinion, I'm on, I'm on the side that Hulk should have put the uh, stopped working out and answered the phone. So I guess uh, if, you're, uh, if Hulkamania is running wild through your veins, then you want to keep working out and just tell Paul I'll call back later. But uh, he said, what? He said, what? Uh, Paul wasn't happy. So it, it'll be interesting to see where that ends up. Uh, as we speak, it looks like more people are blaming Hulk than Paul. And it's funny how the feuds throughout Hulk's history, a lot of times they're, they, they blame Hulk for him. I mean, uh, who knows? If Andre gets offered a championship match from Hulk, maybe, maybe we never get that Piper's Pit uh, run of shows where 
Andre has to go on there and, and do the old, I'm here for one reason, to challenge you for championship matches at WrestleMania. Uh, he should have uh, kept his hands off of Elizabeth without, you know, the lust in his eyes, yeah. So um, this one too, uh, Hulk should have picked up the phone for Paul. But it's been spoken you know, by many people that Orndorff-Hogan feud I, I think they had around 55 matches in the six months or so that they that they feuded all around the country. And I want to say it's one of the highest drawing, biggest money-making feuds of all time. He and Andre had a feud, of course, Hogan and Andre, but they didn't have as near as many house show matches. Um, when we're looking at current things going on, Roman Reigns is a, a historic run that he's on, but Hogan was on the road for 250, 300 nights a year uh, during his big first run. And they were drawing money all over the place. Some WWF was drawing, was doing and running two shows on average every night of the year, sometimes three. And Hogan was the A show, the, the, the card everybody wanted to be on to make money. So the, the gate at those shows was typically making the most money of the two or three shows a night, the, the B and C shows. A lot of times the B shows would be headlined by Roddy Piper, uh, Randy Savage, the tag champs of the time, and, and hitting maybe the secondary markets that weren't quite as big or... Or in the, you know, Hulk didn't come to every market that was every large market on a monthly basis, but places like uh, New York, New Jersey, Boston, Philadelphia, those are places that got to see him a lot more. Uh, in Sacramento, even though it's the state capital of California, we didn't get Hulk. We might have got Hulk in our area, um, and that's the arena I went to. We might have gotten Hulk wrestling in sacramento once in 1987 maybe once in 85 before i was attending i don't think he came to sacramento at all in 1986 so if you weren't a bigger city there's no guarantee you even got hulk coming to your arena at all but he was on the road wrestling and wrestled uh, just exponentially more times a year than roman reigns did and i know that uh it's more entertainment-based now as far as the the monthly events being the big, the, the prime events and the TV deals being the way that the company makes money. But back then it was the house shows is how they made money. So the big, uh, you had WrestleMania was the only pay-per-view for a while there. Wasn't until 87 when the Survivor Series got in the mix. Um, 88, the Royal Rumble wasn't a pay-per-view, but... Uh, you know, they added SummerSlam. And by 89, they had the big four when you got the Royal Rumble as well. So it wasn't the big TV deals making the money. It was merchandise and ticket sales. And so the ticket sales, that's where Paul Orndorff, as one of the, if not the most credible challenger to Hulk's title during his entire run, uh, Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan, that's the, that's the feud that, again, got the most attention for me. And it's probably because that's in the infancy of me becoming a fan. So the big event, that was a, a huge match that eventually came out on video where we got to see Hogan and Orndorff in front of somewhere in the ballpark of 66,000 fans up in Canada. And we even get to see uh, Orndorff put on Hulk's belt at one point. Of course, 
Hogan won by DQ in that match. But shortly after that, uh, Hogan and Orndorff were on a Saturday night's main event, and it was uh, it aired October fourth. And so I'll uh, I'll I'll separate this into uh, uh, I'll I'll tell that story down the road, but I'll I'll touch on it right now. Eh, heck, we'll run long with this episode. Basically, on October fourth, my family and I were on the trip of a lifetime. We went to Walt Disney World for uh, it was around two weeks that we went to Florida and it's the only time we ever went there. We went to Disneyland on a yearly basis, it seemed. So very spoiled growing up as far as my mom and her love of Disney and us going on vacation. But in that first week of October, that's when the first Saturday night's main event that happened that, that I was actually a fan for. So the one that happened in May with the Jake Roberts, Ricky Steamboat, no contest where Jake DDT'd Ricky on the floor, that, uh, that was something I don't believe I even saw that or taped that. I think I just saw the highlights. Uh, it's it's foggy as far as how far back that goes. But October 4th, I definitely remember. And since we were on vacation in Disney World, my, my folks, they had this big camcorder that had a backpack VCR. So my dad was carrying around the actual camera on his shoulder and had a strap of uh, a pack around his shoulder hanging the other way that held the VCR with the, t the tape in it. So it was like he was his own little camera crew. And because there was a VCR attached, this uh, Fort Wilderness place we stayed in as part of the Walt Disney World Resort, he, he, we had that in check. So basically, they didn't want me staying up till 1 a.m. to watch Saturday Night's main event because we had big days ahead at, at Disney World. So uh, I I see that it's Saturday's main event. I mainly I want to see Roddy Piper and the Iron Sheik wrestle. So as uh, as the main match is gonna come on, I'm being told by my folks, "We'll let you stay up till midnight, and that's it." And I'm just furious. I'm 12 years old. I I got to see Roddy and and Sheik, and it's looking more and more like that's not gonna happen with the the time frame and the way the matches are lining up. And Roddy, of course, is injured. Adonis and uh, Morocco and Orton have hurt Roddy's leg, so he's on a crutch. So towards the end of that uh, second of the Hogan-Orndorff uh, trilogy of televised matches, if you're going to count the big event and this match that aired on Saturday Night's main event and, of course, the big steel cage match, which I'll get to in a minute, the October 4th Saturday Night's main event with Hogan and Orndorff, Adrian Adonis dressed up as a woman at ringside when they had the, the faraway shots you can see him with his head down in the uh in the moo moo or the dress with a, a hat covering his face so i'd love to know whoever sat within uh, a few feet of adrian if they knew that was adrian adonis but adrian of course interferes in that match jumps over the rail and comes in on behalf of of paul orndorff to uh to thwart uh, an imminent hulk hogan victory and and for me that uh, when Roddy comes in with the crutch, and and hits Adrian to help uh, save Hulk chases Orndorff <laughs> chases Orndorff off, um, that was just huge for Roddy and Hulk who had been uh, so entwined in a feud up to this point. And uh, Roddy been gone for months, comes back, starts a feud with uh, Adrian over the Piper's Pit in the flower shop. Now he is rescuing Hulk. Looks like he might hit Hulk with the crutch um, for a second. Hulk looks like he's going to take out Roddy. And somehow they agree to uh, 
to separate and uh and, and it's just it's like an explosion of the two biggest forces in wrestling the from the up until that point from about oh early 84 on up until this point in 86 you got Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper the two biggest personalities in wrestling and and so rest assured that camcorder I was talking about with the backpack VCR that my dad had attached he hooked that up at the uh, to the TV in the little trailer that was in this Fort Wilderness place and recorded the rest of Saturday night's main event so I didn't miss out on this historic event uh, I was able to watch it and uh, the vacation wasn't ruined and and so just the story being told here that's keeping the house show run house shows running all over the country with Hogan and Orndorff you've got the big event drawing 66,000 fans you've got Saturday night's main event where the the feud is still going and then eventually there you get to the steel cage match that airs January of 1987 where I always thought that because it was edited afterwards that Orndorff probably did hit first and that they just took those, they just lined up the video to make it very hard to tell. And in recent years, I have heard that people that were at the arena, that it was fairly obvious that Orndorff's feet did hit first and that Paul Orndorff should be the rightful champion. Um, that's, that's all up for debate, but man, what a good story. So for a six month feud, Hogan Orndorff, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't anti-Hogan at all. In fact, everything centered around Hogan. He was he was the guy. So it wasn't it wasn't really until a little bit after where, you know, Roddy was my favorite. But it wasn't until a little after where I actually was uh, getting kind of tired of Hulk. It was by the time 1990 rolled around, that's where I was ready for Ultimate Warrior to take the title off Hulk. But but Orndorff was this credible threat in '86. Uh, leading up into uh, beginning of '87, where you thought it was it was totally possible that he could take the belt off of Hulk, and that whole storyline, just the nostalgia behind it, that all makes that uh, my favorite feud of all time. And uh, I know there's uh, a lot of people my age and a little bit younger that that feel the same way about it. Uh, Tommy Fierro, uh, he, I know it's his favorite uh, feud of all time. Talked about Tommy a lot out in New Jersey. And he and I are kind of on the same page with Hogan Orndorff being the top feud of all time in our minds. Uh, thanks so much for listening to these. I'm having a blast. Uh, can't tell you how how uh, inspiring these things are for me to do and how much I appreciate anyone listening. Uh, it reminds me of high, high school to get into a, a higher level English class. had to do an essay in my junior year to get into the the advanced placement English class my senior year and the, the subject was was to write a, a letter uh, an essay about what the line of a Dylan song uh, that what it means to us and that that line was uh, he that isn't busy being born is busy dying and so in doing these podcasts and doing uh, the painting of the figures that I started doing in January it's just one of those things where sometimes you want to uh, change up and try new things and, and get busy being born. And so, uh, that's where I'm at. Um, it's, it's fun doing this stuff. It's fun sharing this stuff. And I'm hoping that someone out there, it's, uh, it's connecting with you and giving you something to listen to on the way to work while you're doing some task at home, who knows, yard work, whatever. And that, uh, uh maybe you guys are uh, feeling nostalgic about that era as well. Thanks again so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.